For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the podcast. This is Real Talk with Zuby, with your host, yours truly, Zuby. Today, we've got an awesome special guest. I'd like to welcome Hunter Drew. He is a family man, he is a veteran. And he is also the creator of The Family Alpha and co-founder of The Fraternity of Excellence. How you doing, man? Doing well. Thanks for having me. So let's, uh, let's begin. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Hunter. So my, my adventure towards where we're at now, going up through school and high school, you know, I was kind of just a mess. Uh, a lot of energy, but it wasn't directed to anything. Undisciplined. I ended up spending five years in high school. Not my best time. But I pushed through, graduated, and I joined the Navy. That's when I kind of screwed my head on right. Okay. So from there, I had a girlfriend. I deployed, came back. She was still around. We got married, had my son, deployed again, came back. And then I had three years on shore duty teaching Marines. And that's where I had to make the decision. Do I want to stay here or do I want to go? And I decided I couldn't be a good dad and a good sailor because in the Navy, you're always gone. And I was always volunteering to go. And that's just how it works. You know, it comes your service and then your family. So sure. I realized I wanted to be a present dad. I want to be involved in their lives. So I got out of the military after a great career. I loved it. And then I realized there was, a, there was an issue going on with men. You know, they were having a hard time being men. So all my friends, you know, gaining weight, you know, not being motivated, having no goals, no mission, you know, that fire was gone. Yeah. So I started looking up what was going on. I started researching, you know, where's masculinity? And <laughs> I came across the red pill on subreddit. I mean, okay. on Reddit, which is a subreddit. And then I found the married red pill. So I found those guys talking about marriage and family and how you can be a man while you have a wife and children. And then I created the blog and the rest is history. And then we crossed paths on Twitter. Awesome, man. So where, where are you from? Originally, I'm from New England. Okay. I'm a Rhode Islander. And then I bounced around the country and I came back to Rhode Island. Awesome, man. And so tell us a little bit about your, a little bit about your childhood. I mean, uh, you, you kind of jumped pretty fast to joining the Navy there or you said, <laughs> <laughs> so what was it? And uh, you said you were in high school and it wasn't, a, it wasn't a great time. Was there something specific there that, that you, you're happy to share, of course? I'm transparent, man. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so it was, it was a kind of a wild story. This is not the path I think anybody should follow. Okay. So growing up, my parents split when I was one, started coming up. And then at five years or a few years later, my mom meets another guy. Mm -hmm. So he, they get married and they have my brother and sister who are twins. My mom commits suicide at five. We move in with my grandmother. Now my dad, he was a Navy man. So he's always in and out. We needed somebody to take care of us. So I was basically raised by my grandmother 
who survived the Great Depression. I mean, this was a hard woman who instilled some solid work ethic in me. Sure. So I was the kid that my dad was gone though. So there was no real example that I'm trying to follow. So I, I was the kid who I could work really hard, but I didn't know how to channel that to productive things. So going all through school, I was the kid that I would get placed into the, the smart classes, but I wouldn't do my homework and I wouldn't do a test. And all I cared about was making people laugh. So I would get dropped from those and I would go to the, the lower classes. Okay. And that, that, I mean, I continued that trend all the way through high school. And when it came to girls and when it came to me, you know, I would work hard. I played football, but I, I didn't know how to engage with women. I didn't understand that. I thought you should write love notes and you should cry and you should just make yourself the nicest, nice guy. And okay. that's what would make women love you. And that didn't work out for me at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when, did then, you, when did you realize that wasn't going to work? I, uh, <laughs> when I found the red pill and understood why everything in my life happened. Ah, okay. But, but you'd already met your, you'd already met your, your girl at this time, no? Or? Yes. So at 16, okay. you know, I, I met my girlfriend who is now my wife. Yeah. And we, we started dating and I was the nice guy, but I was also, I didn't really care whether she came or went, you know, it was kind of every girlfriend I thought would be my wife, but I also wanted to do my own thing. Okay. So pretty much when I joined the Navy, that's when I didn't care about the, the girlfriend, the wife, like doing things the nice guy way. I wanted to do them my way. And all of a sudden that's when my relationship was much better. And I've been that way ever since. That's interesting. And how old were you when you joined the Navy? 19. Okay, cool. So you were just coming to the end of your teenage years. So it wasn't like a big gap between that, that time period, basically. I graduated high school and yeah. then I hung out over the summer, worked with my dad. And then that next September, I joined the military. Okay. Uh, the other thing you said that struck me was you said you found a point where you were, you kind of looked up and you were like, where, where have all the men gone? Where's the masculinity gone? What made you come to that realization? Was there a particular thing that you saw or heard or just witnessed? Kind of. I mean, when you leave the military, you kind of, you're out of the brotherhood. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're not in the club anymore. They're out doing the mission and you're, you're left behind. So I looked around like who, who's my next tribe? You know, where's that next group of guys I can stay motivated with and do things. And I had a very hard time finding it because people didn't want to do the things I wanted to do. They, they were very comfortable with where they were at. They didn't want to make waves. And I was like, no, let's go crazy. Let's go do amazing things. Let's have adventures, you know, and nobody wanted to do that. So I started looking around like what happened? I thought yeah. we were all like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it's really interesting. So given where we are, given the current climate, given with everybody trying to redefine the word or repossess it, how do you define masculinity? To me, it's the natural expression of who you are as a man. Mm -hmm. You know, you take pride in the thing. Like you've got a beard. There are some people who they, they try to, they, I have to clean shave it. Why? <laughs> you know, if you want a beard, man, have a beard. My wife doesn't like it. Dude, okay. you are a man. Grow it. You know, guys <laughs> that, you know, you say, I'm going to go to the gym. Why? Are you trying to be a meathead? No. Like, because I want to be a man. I like muscles. I like to lift things and be strong. Yeah. You know, all those things that just come with having high testosterone. Mm. Guys hide that. A masculine man expresses that. He's not worried about the judgment of his peers. He's going to do what he wants to do in life. I hear that. Are there some specific qualities that, so if we're, if we're going to say what, what constitutes a good man or a masculine man or a strong man or any combination of those things, what qualities would you say that he should have or must have? That's a really good question. So there are, there are certain aspects that are individual to all of us. Yeah. You know, some guys, I've got to drink whiskey to be a man. Other mm -hmm. guys, I'm going to drink my Mike's hard lemonade and I'm a man still. That's, you're absolutely correct. But yeah. there are universal aspects. And to that, uh, a man, universally, all men, they're emotionally, they can control their emotions. They don't, if they get mad about something, they don't let it fly off the handle. Yeah. You know, women, when they, they're very emotional, they, they feel things. There was, I feel this way. You make me feel that. 
whereas men are much more logical. Mm. Then you find guys trying to be more like women because they think that'll make them acceptable. So these guys, they get upset very easily, high or low. They get happy or sad so easy. You know, if somebody passes away in their family, mm. you know, they're, they're an emotional mess. And then who's the wife supposed to turn to? Who is the yeah. child supposed to turn to if the dad is inconsolable? You know, you've got to be able to be strong for those around you. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean don't feel. All men feel. Mm. But there's a time and a place in how to handle it. You know, so that, there's that aspect. But also, I call it the shield and spear aspect of being a man. Okay. If you can't protect your family, and if you're not willing to attack for your family, what, what role do you really bring to that besides a paycheck? Sure. You know, a man can defend his children. He can defend his wife. And a man, if somebody goes after them, he can go forward and protect and, you know, go after those, you know, trying to cause harm. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be the zombies or a riot happening. You know, what if there's a flood in your house? Are you able to, to lead your family out of a flood area or mm -hmm. a fire? You know, men lead. That's what we do. We're strong. We throw people on our back. We go forward for the shield and the spear. That's what all men should be able to do. Sure. And given that whether or not people implicitly or explicitly recognize that, it seems that, all right, let me, let me rephrase that. What you've just said, so the role of men in society, the role of masculinity, largely at a very basic level, you could say it boils down to protection and provision. Would you say that's somewhat right? I'd say that's fair. Yeah. It, that, that encompasses a lot, but yes. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the, the shield and the, and the spear. That's right. So you've got the, the protection. And so, and I think that people inherently realize this in most societies that I'm aware of, whether, whether Western or from any other part of the world, they do inherently realize this. If you look at the army, you look at security personnel, you look at the secret service, you look at, you know, any, any organization, any group that is playing the protector role is generally pretty much always very, very heavily male dominated or, you know, for obvious physical reasons for one, but also I think because of the motivation and the desire for men to be willing to step up and do that. So given that Western society does seem to appreciate and value that implicitly, I want to say in terms of the way people actually act, forget what people say, in the way people act, people are very grateful that there are men willing to step up and fulfill these roles. So given that, why do you think that there is so much of a, a pushback, a blowback against what we might call traditional masculinity. What do you think is the cause of that? So recently with this Gillette ad, I think it's a good example of this. Sure. Uh, women are the primary consumers of most things. They're the ones that do the shopping. They're the ones that go out, you know, men are very particular. They'll go out and get that one thing. Whereas companies know when they promote to women, they can drive those sales to their company and make money. Mm -hmm. So these companies are trying to show we are pro women and we're all about, you know, uh, some call it the feminine imperative. We're, we're going to support all things that are women. Mm. Well, that comes to the detriment of men because they're not trying to say there's an equality of opportunity because there already is. Men and women have the same opportunity. They're trying to force an equality of outcome. Mm. You're trying to say men and women are going to have the same results. And that's not how it works. You know, men and women aren't equals. We're equivalents. We have value. We have the same value of a human life, but we're not built the same. We're not wired the same. And some people don't want to accept that aspect of what it is to be a man and a woman. Yeah. Why, why do you think that is, though? I, I, it's something I'm curious about as well. It's something I've noticed. I've certainly noticed it myself. And I question it because I'm just like, what's the, what's the motive behind here? Because some of the differences between men and women are so obvious that, you know, a, a one-year-old, a two-year-old can look up in a room and they know who is a man and who is a woman just based on how they look 
if they hear the voices, they can recognize the different voices. They can they can tell. I've got lots of nieces and nephews. They have no problem determining who's a, who's a boy, who's a girl, who's a man, who's a woman. So given some of these very clear differences and the fact that these differences literally are how we got this far, they're the reason why we exist, basically. Why do you think that there's, do you think it's, it's all about money? It's about economics, companies having this motivation, but in the bigger scheme of things, do you think there's something else at play? I think we're so far removed from evil and the need of men. I mean, mm-hmm. we you used to need strong men because if people came in your tribe, those dudes picked up an ax or a club and they went and they defended the town. That's how mm-hmm. you lived, you know, and the further along we're going techno- technologically, it's more comfortable. There's yeah. not evil knocking on everybody's door. We're, I'm sitting in an air conditioned house right now. I'm not worried about somebody coming and killing me. I mean, that, that's just not the world we live in mm. for most of us. So they get comfortable when they get comfortable. Now it's, I think not just money, but also control. I think men have had a dominated role and we're controlling things. We're leading society. And now there's this wave. Hey, we don't need you anymore. You know, so now it's the woman's turn. So now that's what it's all about. Now it's time for women to lead. Now it's time for women to be in charge. And when you look at the recent release of the American Psychological Association, talking about uh, traditional masculinity being a negative and toxic and pretty much saying it's like a mental disorder, yeah. that really worries me because that's an establishment that is pushing people who give therapy, uh, medical yeah. professionals. What's the next step? Are they going to say that young boys need to take medication to, to limit the amount of toxic masculinity, i.e. testosterone? Do we need to limit that because that creates aggression and dominance and you know, a more stoic approach? You know, where are we heading with this? Yeah, it's bizarre. Can you, can you expand a little bit on that? I saw the tweet. I saw a lot of responses to that article or documentation that you said. But for the listeners out there, can you expand a little bit on what that actually entails? Because I don't know the details of it. In a nutshell, there was a study, you know, I don't, I believe it was 30 years or 40 years conducted that basically the end result was uh, a boy's display of a more stoic approach He's more competitive, you know, the more aggressive nature, a more dominant nature. Those are all negatives and those should be catered to, to removal or lessening in all men because we need men to be less stoic and be more emotionally open and less aggressive and more everybody can come and play and it's not about winning, you know, less dominant and we're all on an equal playing field. But the problem, as I'm sure you're aware, if nobody is leading, that ship is going to crash. Somebody has to be steering and it yeah. can't be 50-50 because then you're just going back and forth. So to, to play devil's advocate here, this is not my personal belief, but for the people who think that this is, a, this is a great thing and men have been leading the charge too long and it's time for women to step up and men can fall back from these positions and become more emotional and more, more feminine for lack of a, for lack of a better exactly word. Yeah, for lack of a better word. What do you feel is the what would be your, your comeback to those people? Why do you think that this is a threat? Because you can obviously see there's lots of people who think it's a, it's a good thing for whatever reason. I'd be interested in, in hearing their point. I know why I have my concerns with it, but what, why do you think that it's a, it's a threat? The response would be twofold. I mean, the first would be, I mean, I'd probably be a little curt and say, what opportunities do women not have currently? Mm. Like what, what, what is not equal? You know, people bring things up, but they're easily disproved. Wage gap. No, that's not real. That's been no. proven multiple times. That's not real. No. All right. You know, uh, women should be in combat roles. Okay. So in the military, they're trying to push women into these roles and they keep failing because the, the, the standard is up here. Sure. And my fear, and when we talk about the fear of this, if we're going to lower the standard because we want to hit a quota of women, let's just say the military, but branch that out to whatever field they're trying to make. Mm. When you lower a standard to hit quota, people die. 
there's a reason there's a standard. You hit the standard or you don't get to play. Sure. And women don't like that. That's where they're forcing that equal outcome as opposed to equal opportunity. Yeah. And as, as I mentioned, you know, I have a son and a daughter. My son is nine. My daughter is six. So I, they're totally different. As you were saying, you can see it in boys and girls. Their brains are wired differently. Yeah. And that's how they're supposed to be. I'm not saying that there aren't bad men. There are some very bad men out in the world. Mm. There are also some very bad women. Oh, sure. So when, when targets, you know, when ads come out and they target like this Gillette one, men should, should stop other men and men should step up and, you know, stop all these things. Mm. You're damn right they should, but so, so should women. Men should yeah. stop women from doing bad things and men. You know, bad people are bad people. Masculinity is not bad. Yeah. What annoyed me most about that ad and the way people talk about this thing in general and why I absolutely abhor this term toxic masculinity is the way that it attaches it very specifically to the male gender. And it, that's done obviously and purposefully. So yes, there are toxic behaviors. Yes, there are negative behaviors. There are criminal behaviors. But by conflating that with masculinity in itself and making it seem like that's a, that's a, a male specific, these are all male specific issues. That's where it really, I find it very annoying and, and somewhat, somewhat offensive. Someone who, as someone who's very difficult to offend, right? I, fi I find it quite offensive as, you know, you, you're taking half the population and you're saying all these negative traits, all these negative activities, all these criminal activities, which 99.9% .9 of men do not stand for and do not want and, do, and will step up and protect people against, you're making it seem like, yeah, these are just inherent to, to boys, to men. It needs to be extracted out of them somehow. It's like people don't even realize that it's funny because on one hand they're saying, okay, you've got some men who do this. But at the same time, when you're saying men should step up and be men and protect this role, it's like people don't understand that it's the same masculine spirit, should I say, that can, I guess, manifest in that negative way. But that's also what protects societies. That's what, that's what soldiers have. That's what police officers have. That's what firemen have. That's what anyone who steps up and takes that role. And, and that, that role can also be fulfilled by a woman. You know, Obviously, both men and women have masculine and feminine traits. So it's not even, you know, you could have a masculine female who also can fulfill these, fulfill these roles. So it's just odd to me, just as I wouldn't like them to tie some other negative behaviors or activities specifically with femininity because it's not a that's not what femininity is yeah, could you say, imagine that though could you imagine an ad running like it, it won't and that's why no, i think it's about control no. or, and money because they mm. won't offend their base but mm. i mean gillette's like easily recognized all right we're gonna bash all men how yeah. imagine an ad about women like that you yeah. can't and it won't ever happen why you know that's the yeah. question i keep asking people yeah and people would like to say oh it doesn't it doesn't it's because men don't do all the bad stuff and it's again it's like no and what gets frustrating is the lack of nuance and the binary thinking. So, Dude, oh my God. Yeah, I was no, about no, to bring that up. Yeah, <laughs> the, the way, what I did appreciate with this Gillette ad is the way that it perfectly demonstrated it. So I was a lot more interested in the reactions and the predictability of the reactions. So I knew, like I, I follow a broad range of people on Twitter and I, could, I knew who would be for <laughs> it and who would be against it just based on what I know about some of these people who I haven't even met in person. It's like, okay, this type of person is going to be like, yes, hooray, this is amazing. Anyone who 
doesn't like it is X, Y, and Z. And lo and behold, I check my timeline. And I'm, seeing, I'm, I'm seeing all of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then on the other side, it's like, okay, this person is going to absolutely hate this. This person is going to absolutely hate this. And yeah, it was just interesting to see that polarization at play, which seems to be the sort of bigger scheme of what is going on. I, I do really believe that there's clearly an agenda. There's a motive to drive a wedge between the genders. That seems pretty obvious to me over the last several years, just observing things. And that's one thing I'm always questioning. I'm like, why are people trying to draw this wedge between men and women? Why are you trying to create animosity in between the most natural pairing that exists and the reason why we all exist? Why do you want men to feel some negative way about women? Why do people want women to feel some negative way or animosity towards men? It's, it seems like they're just, they're just stirring the pot you know, they're constantly stirring yep. pot. And some people, are, some people can see straight through it and be like, no, this is what they're trying to do. Like, don't fall for it. But most people are just like, oh, yeah. Like, and they just kind of <laughs> go to war. Some stuff starts, starts hashtagging on Twitter. Oh, men are trash. Hashtag. Hashtag men are trash. And it's like, really? Like, <laughs> you're just, you're just, do you really think that? Like, think about what you're saying. And, <laughs> you know, for, the, for all the guys that are listening and or for anybody that's listening to you, I, I kind of wanted to go back to you brought up binary thinking. So I said, I'm against this Gillette ad and people would come in. So are you saying that you're pro violence to solve measures? You're pro uh, misogyny, you're pro uh, rape, like all these really intense and serious accusations. I'm like, I am a man who is married with two children. One of them is a daughter. Do you think I'm anti-women? Why are we at the point where if I disagree with something, I have to get sent all the way to the other side of the pendulum? Just because I don't agree with this doesn't mean I'm pro all that. Maybe I've got like a tinfoil hat on, but I'm starting to think <laughs> because of how much people are watching screens and how much when you watch a, like a TV series, every character is all the way one thing. You know, they're, oh. they're either a really so much like a left wing person or a right wing person, mm-hmm. very masculine, very feminine. They're always extremely one thing and people and binary zero one, you know, people are starting to think like that. So when they say that to me, Hunter, you don't like this ad they don't even consider maybe there's some nuance to it. Maybe there's a part of the message I don't like, but that doesn't mean I am a zero and not a one. We're humans. We're not machines. But the more we have our faces stuck into machines and technology and screens, we're starting to think like that. Mm. It's, It's on or off. It's like there's no middle ground. And as humans, we're very, very like, there's a lot going on. It's not just black or white. You know, there's a lot of gray area there. There is, there is. Yeah, it's frustrating because you see it in, you see it in everything. I think it's less of a problem in real life, just like most things are. I think social media brings out the worst in people and people use the most mental shortcuts that they can. And I think because people, people form decisions very quickly, right? People kind of go with their gut. So if they go on, say Twitter, right? They go on someone's Twitter profile. Like me, I mean, it's hilarious because people almost like signal on Twitter as well, right? So if you go on someone's Twitter profile and you see an American flag, you see certain hashtags, you see the person looks a certain way, you know, people form a very quick image in their head of, okay, this is that kind of person. And you go to someone else's profile, they've got their pronouns listed in their bio. They might have the word activist in there somewhere. They might have some plant emojis or whatever, right? And people form that, okay, immediate image rather than thinking of, okay, like these are actual individuals. It's almost like you're talking to avatars, right? Exactly. So so you've got like the the MAGA right wing avatar. And you've got the, you've got like the, the super lefty liberal avatar activist SJW, whatever you want to call it. And then you 
you know, and people want to slot everything into like one of maybe four boxes, you know, it's like, there's no, rather than thinking of individuals. Funnily enough, the, the tweet that I think we first started talking about, I can't even remember. I think you tweeted something out and I responded to it. I can't even remember exactly what it was. It was something crazy about men. I think it was something about husbands should let their wives cheat on them this Christmas or something oh, like that. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was something, it was insane. <laughs> it, was like, it was like some ridiculous, ridiculous thing that no normal person would be like, okay. I actually thought it was a joke article. I was quite <laughs> horrified to find it was a real thing. Um, and I think I responded, I responded to that. And then the person who, I remember the person who responded was, they, they immediately assumed I was like on some extreme end. They, 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 they put an avatar on me. Yep. Right. And then they said some, they, they said, they said something weird about how I need to get out of the house and meet some real people or whatever, which was hilarious. Cause at the time I was running my pop-up shop. So I was in a shopping center. I mean, I was like in a mall meeting like hundreds of people every day, taking photos, signing autographs with people and stuff. I was like, oh. and then the guy was like, Oh, like, what are you doing? Like, he was like, Oh, you actually seem like he wrote something like, Oh, you, you seem quite cool. Like, what are you doing here? Like, that just shows like the lack of nuance in people's thinking. It's like they immediately just jump to the idea that I'm sitting there in like a basement angry. It's very odd. It's very odd. I think the same thing happens on, um, on YouTube and all that, but social media is a bizarre thing. As we were just saying before we started filming, you know, it's like, uh, I feel like we're living in an ongoing social experiment and we, none of us really know what the long-term, what the long-term effects are going to be, but it's very clear that this stuff changes people's behavior probably changes a lot of stuff in your brain chemistry. I think there's so much stuff that we don't even, we don't even know what's going on when we're just spending all this time looking at these screens, chatting to people online, having these interactions, some of them which you wouldn't have in real life because people just behave so differently, right? If you're, if you're there, are, there are so many times I'm like, I wish I could go, come through the screen and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> you, you talk like, so, like smashing me and saying I'm trash and all this garbage. And like, yeah. I'm a man leading my family. I'm focused on improving physically, mentally, spiritually. Like I'm trying like all these positive things. Yeah. You're like you're garbage. I'm like, let me find you, man. And I'm not saying like, let me find you and threaten you. Yeah. But, like, what are you doing with your life besides raging online? Like, I, let, let's just hang out for a day and let's see who has more to talk about, you know? Mm. Because to me, your real world self is, should always take priority over the online self. You should never yeah. amplify who you are. You should never make yourself more interested. Like be who you are and, mm. and you'll do well. You know, I've got the quote uh, in the land of conformity, authenticity reigns king. Because people mm. are tired of the avatars. They want to hear real people with real struggles and success, not just your highlight reel. And yeah. before we started recording, you said, you know, as long as you use it as a tool, you know, it's great. And like right now, look, we're having a conversation. We're thousands of miles apart across an yeah. ocean. You know, that's awesome. That's using this as a tool. It's a conversation. We get to swap ideas. And both of us, I hope, are for the better for it. You know, yeah. when we go forward today. But some people, it's just a time. They, they lose time. They get angry. And then they forget what they're angry about the next week. Now, next week, they're going to be mad about something else. Last week, it was Meghan Markle. But I forgot about that. Now it's Gillette. <laughs> and then what, what's up next? Like, what's yeah. coming? Next week, they're going to be so mad. And their whole identity is in this infinite loop of anger. Like, yeah. they never relax. It's just thing to thing to thing because the machine told them to. Yeah, it's, not, it's certainly not healthy. I don't think it uh, God, no. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> not healthy. As a father of, I think it's really, you're in an interesting position, obviously, being the father of a, a son and a daughter. What are your concerns when it comes to them, given the way the world is going, maybe the way your, your country is going or anything bigger than that? What are, you, what are you optimistic about and what are you concerned about as a father? 
We'll start with the pros. Okay. <laughs> I'm very happy that my, my family is the way we are. Mm. So I'm very intentional with my time. I was fortunate. Both my kids are happy and healthy. You know, every, everything's great on that front, but it's the intentional use of time. So I read in front of my kids. I exercise in front of my kids because I recognize they're going to follow my example, not my advice. Mm. And you, they don't come with the manual. So when you start raising them, you don't really know if you're doing it right. But when you start as they age, like I said, they're nine and six, I'm starting to see them with their own personalities and to see my son help out a teammate who's struggling, I coach his baseball team, you know, okay. to see him do that on his own. Uh, there's a story where they have a, a community circle. One of the kindergartners got up, got up and was trying to ask a question to the, the crowd, the teachers, and he couldn't speak. He was so nervous. And my son got up and walked across, put his hand around the kid and he helped the kid speak. You know, when you hear that as a father, you're like, I'm, I'm raising a kid right. Yeah. At the same time, you know, we talk about the, the masculine side of things. There was a bully picking on a bunch of smaller kids mm -hmm. and my son stood up to him and the kid pushed him. Well, my son got up and they got into a fist fight. Mm -hmm. And this, I'm not promoting violence, but he said, it's not okay for you to pick on people. You know, that, and that's a lesson that taught him. Like, I don't want you being a tough guy trying to, it's not cool to get in fights, but it's also not cool to let somebody push you around or push other innocent people around. Sure. So that's cool to see. My daughter, she's very, you know, tentative to the family. You know, my, bro my, my son, her brother spilt something and she ran over and got a paper towel for him, brought it back. It's like they're a little team. Mm. And I'm very happy to see that because they're expressing it. At the same time, I do see the message society is pushing. Mm. I'm not so much worried about my kids. And this, this goes to the negatives. I'm worried about my kids' kids. I think okay. we've got another generation of this. I think we've got some pushback. You know, the reason I do what I do is I want to be able to look them in the eyes when I'm an old man and say, I tried. You know, I, I tried getting the message out there. I tried helping men. I tried pushing something that would help you know, society stays stable. Mm. And I'm afraid that I'm, I'm one voice, you know, you've got this podcast going, this is going to spread the signal further. You know, you're doing your part. I'm doing mine. You know, all these people creating, we're trying to make this thing better. Yeah. But I don't know if, if that's enough. And that, that does worry me. You know, when, when you start telling people how they need to be, instead of letting them be who they are, you know, you're, you're going to lose the beauty of what makes us who we are as humans. You know, sure. it's not about becoming a drone and falling in line and doing things a certain way. It's about, you know, spreading those wings and experiencing the life on your terms, how you want to experience it. Yeah. My it, wife it, and I, go ahead. Sorry, sorry to interrupt there, but isn't that hilarious because that was the message that actually used to get pushed by the, the more liberal end of the political side when they were more sane and made more sense, right? So you were just talking about being who you are, living life on your own terms, not being exactly what society says, right? That, that sounds very familiar to me. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's very similar, familiar to what people were saying in, in saner times. That was a good message that actually made sense, right? It in still time. does. You yeah. just have to look at the source. You know, who's saying, like, if, if I'm saying be yourself, except repress this, 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 and this about being a man, <laughs> that's that, no, that doesn't work. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming at it from an authentic position of, you know, whatever your interests are, pursue them. That's great. But yeah. don't sit there and try to fit in with the club because that's, that's who you think people will like. No, be who you are. People will like you. Yeah, man. Sorry. I think I, I, think I interrupted something. So, I think you were. I had a great theme. You, you tossed it. You messed it all up. I'm, sorry, man. <laughs> I'm just you, kidding. I think you were. I think you were about to say something else about your daughter. I think. No, I was just going to say, you know, for those listening who have kids and okay. they they want to do the same, you know, my wife and I were the example that they follow. So if you want your kids to be better, you've got to be better. They mm -hmm. follow the example, not the advice. Don't tell them you should read books and you should, you know, pursue passions. You know, look at yourself. After you became a parent, a lot of people stop their own mission. They don't see their parents, you know, trying to do things for themselves and develop themselves. They don't see yeah. a husband and wife having love with each other and smiling and flirting. They just see people who are in a routine. You got to be the example for them. Yeah, man. That's great to hear, man. Like I've got, um, 
I've got nine, nine nieces and nephews. I'm the youngest of five kids. So all my, all my siblings are married with kids, multiple kids. So I'm i I'm like a super uncle. And so it's been, uh, it's been interesting for me being the youngest person in my family and, you know, getting to see all these, all these little ones grow up now. And it's, it's really cool for me. So I almost feel like, you know, I'll be a father one day, but I feel like right now I'm kind of getting, I'm kind of getting some, some training and practice in terms of not having the, the full hundred percent responsibility. That's awesome. You can, um, you can hand it back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you know, getting some of that, getting some of that. So I think that's why given the time, you know, some of the, some of the focus, some of the things we talk about, it's become more, a little bit more relevant to me, shall I say, you know, 10 years ago, I was thinking more, just more individually, you know, more, a bit more solipsistic, a bit more, okay, like me, my future, my this. And then I think as you naturally get older, you start to think of like, okay, what kind of, what kind of world are children or future children going to inherit in a lot of different ways, not just economically or whatever, but in terms of, you know, the culture, the society, the morality, you know, the underlying framework of what people consider good or bad, or is it just subjective and good and bad is whatever you, whatever you think is good and bad. You can, it's in a really interesting place, you know, it's a word for it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just in a, in a, in an odd place. It seems like in the last five to six years, there does seem to have been like an, an acceleration of certain things, like just like, okay, we're just going to like go full steam ahead with all this stuff. It was like, it was kind of maintaining, maintaining, maintaining. And then it's kind of like, we've kind of gone into some crazy foolishness and certain people seem to be defending a lot of their crazy foolishness, which is weird to me. And I'm, I think weird to you as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think your point on developing yourself too, you know, you did your thing and you developed you. And then from there, you know, you can't lead a family if you can't lead yourself. For me, it was joining the Navy and that's how I found me. For you, you know, you've got music, you've got all these passions that you have and you're going forward. So you know who you are as a man. Yeah. A lot of guys, you know, they don't have that before they start families and they run into trouble because they don't know who they are. So then they start to build up like, I wish I had done this before I got married. I wish I had done this. All of a sudden they're resenting the family they chose to start because they never lived out. You know, you can still live it when you're married, but it's a little different. I think every man should develop himself before he starts creating life. Yeah. How old were you when you got married and when you became a father? I was married at 21. Okay. I had my first, or we had our son at 22 and my daughter at 25. Okay. So on the fast pretty, track. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You know, like pretty early, but certainly by modern day standards, by historical standards, fairly normal, right? <laughs> um, how did, I guess, both of those things, becoming a husband and then becoming a father, if you can rewind back to that time, how do you think those things changed you in the way you, the way you view the world, the way you prioritize things or anything else? I would say that I always wanted a family, you know, growing up as a little kid, I wanted to be Conan the Barbarian and have like a bunch of little like sons running around, man. I want to be like a king. Yeah. And so I, I knew I wanted the wife. I wanted kids. Now, once I had my son becoming, when we got married, nothing really changed. I was who I was. I was always gone and back and her and I had a great time and adventures. When we had my son, you know, the only thing that really changed was I was no longer my center of focus. Sure. You know, before I was, it was me. And then I had my wife and me and my lady, we were conquering. And then now this life came in. I was like, wow, that's, that's a piece of me. Like I created Mm. that. And it's, it's one of those humbling moments where you step back and you're like, I I needed to stop being like stupid. (laughs) And then we had my daughter and it's even more so I'm like some of the things I would do, like just crazy things. I didn't care. Like I was just going nuts and having fun and, (laughs) you know, doing my thing. And I'm like, man, like what if something bad happens though? Yeah. So I'm not saying you, you totally pull the e-brake and stop, you know, you, you've got to live out things. You got to have your adventures, 
but some of the stupid things I was doing, I stopped. Let's, let's move towards the, the husband role. I was reading a couple of articles on your site, The Family Alpha, just uh, earlier on today to get a little bit more of a background and you know, get, my, get my mind in the zone. As a guy who's now been married for about 10 years, is that right? Yes, sir. About 10 years, yeah. What's your advice to other men out there who haven't yet taken that plunge or who are scared about it or who are considering or not so sure? Because again, historically, I think it was very clear, you know, the, the, the path a man took was very clear, right? I yep. think one of the most difficult things that men are struggling with right now is what's the role of the man in society? What's the path we're supposed to take, right? It used to be very clear education, job, and often that job would last a lifetime. Meet your girl young, marry, kids, boom, done. And I still think that model works. I'm a relatively traditional guy in that regard. I think that most people, maybe not everybody, but I think most people should probably follow that model, regardless of where you live, what culture you're in. It seems like this has worked for thousands of years. There's probably a good reason why people haven't thrown it all out the window. But again, living in a time where it seems like people are quite keen to throw some of these ideas out the window, you hear people saying, marriage is outdated. You hear that from different sides as well. You've got the whole, what do they call them? You've got the whole men going their own way. Yep. The big towel. Yep. The big towel guys. You've got the people who are a bit more like new agey and who are want to have their polyamory or just (laughs) long-term just dating or, you know, like you've got, what do they call it? Like alternative, alternative lifestyles or alternative arrangements or whatever given all of these things, and then you've got guys who have had these negative experiences with, with women and who are feeling, some, in some cases, unsurprisingly jaded with the whole situation and think marriage is a bad deal. What do you think is the best case for marriage in 2019? So for any man who's considering it, I would never recommend marriage to somebody who doesn't want to have kids. Okay. To me, if you, if you don't want children, there's nothing you get from a marriage that you don't get from just being exclusive monogamy. You know, when you look at the family law and the things, you know, if you're going to marry a woman, not have kids, and then you split up, you lose a lot of your things. Mm. If you're going to date a woman, not have kids, and you break up, you keep your stuff. What was the difference there? There there isn't one. If you do want to get married, then you obviously need to vet your woman well, you know, make sure she's the kind of woman who's going to follow the same path you want to lead. You know, she wants to have kids because you want to have kids. She's educated, you know, she's uh, a more traditional woman, you know, who has that complimentary nature about her, where she wants to help you be a better man. She wants to take care of your kids while you're out, you know, pursuing glory. She wants to, you know, be that, 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 that light that's there when times get hard on you and she's there to help you fill that role. You know, that's, that's the kind of woman you want in your life. So you kind of make sure you date and you're asking the right questions. I hate, you know, guys who email me saying my wife won't take my last name. Bro, why did you not know that before you proposed? Like, how has this discussion (laughs) never come up? My wife doesn't want to have kids. You didn't talk about that was important. Like all those times you had dinner together, watch Netflix. You never said, Hey, what are your thoughts on kids? You yeah. know? So definitely vet your woman. Well, yeah. I, do I think there's a place for marriage? I do. Yeah. I think it's for those looking to start families. I think that's the most stable way to maintain a family. I'd agree. I believe that both boys and girls do best when they see the complimentary, complimentary nature between the masculine and the feminine, which is the husband and wife. You know, that's where that's the most optimal environment you can raise a child. I don't think that's, that's not even an opinion really, is it? I mean, that's a, a fact that, that is proven through time, time, time. Yeah. There's a, there seems to be enough science. There's some things I don't think you should really need scientific data for, 
But if you do need and want scientific data on that one, it looks pretty clear from everything that I've seen as well and all the studies they've done. A very, very important point, and this is kind of the last point really, is you cannot lose, you know, you can't pack up all the stuff that you used to do before you started dating or got married. Whatever you did to get your girl, you've got to continue to do, you know, because, you know, you're married now and you have a, a, a baby that doesn't mean it's time for you to stop going to the gym because you got the girl. So you don't have to impress anybody. That, yeah. That's not the time for you to start wearing sloppy clothes and no longer dress up for the woman. That's you no longer flirt. You no longer try to game or, you know, all these things you keep doing those things because it's got to stay fresh. Yeah. You know, the statistics for fatherless homes for kids is it, it makes you sick to your stomach of yeah. all of these children who they didn't have an example to follow. And now all of a sudden they're doing poor in school. They have terrible self-confidence. They, all these preventative things because the dad got lazy or, or the woman he vetted, you know, wasn't quality and it's all preventable. If you just do the work, it's a risk for sure. It's a gamble. But I mean, I think it's in your favor if you choose to date, you know, a teacher as opposed to a drug dealer. I think there are certain decisions you can make that'll help your odds. You know what I mean? Like, so do it the best you can and just remain who you are and stay on a mission. Your wife and your family are not your mission. My wife and my family, I love them to death. I love my kids. I love my wife, but look what I'm doing now. This is my mission. So when I go to dinner tonight, I can talk to my wife and say, Hey, I did this today, had a great conversation, you know, look what I'm doing. And she's a realtor trying to build that business mm-hmm. and she's going to come to the table. Hey, I did this today. I sold a house, whatever. We both develop as individuals and we develop as a couple. Yeah. And that's very important. Yeah. I I'd agree with that one, man. I agree with that one. What's your goal? What's your goal? You've started, when did you start the family alpha and tell us a little bit more about the fraternity of excellence as well. I started the Family Alpha in October 2015. Okay. So I just started writing blogs and putting that on. I think in, it was 2016 I started on Twitter, and that's where I came across some brilliant minds. I mean, mm-hmm. there, are, there are men who are so smart and women who are just so intelligent, and their area of expertise are so foreign to mine. Mm-hmm. You know, you, like you, you rap. Like, what do I, I don't know anything <laughs> about that, man, but I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm listening to, you know, Perseverance. I'm jamming. I'm like, dude, this guy, like, this is good stuff. Thanks. That line about Jordan Peterson. I was like, oh my God. Again. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, I'm like, this is, we have, we, what we have in common is our interest in being men yeah. and making sure that we can put out a solid message and things like that. Yeah. But that's, that's incredible. So, I mean, that Twitter's amazing. I'll get off that soapbox. But, you know, the ultimate goal and the, so the Fraternity of Excellence is an online tribe. Mm. where men come together to hold one another accountable. We have video chats. We have a lot of areas where we share our goals, where we share what we're working on. And it's a place where men are expected to be men with men. It's men only. You know, you sign up, you go in and you're going to find right now, I think we've got 137 dudes and those men come on and they're like, Hey, I'm working on this. What do you think? I'm building this in my house. You know, Hey, how do I, how do I start? We've had a few businesses start. Okay, you know, because cool. guys are just networking. It's not just, you know, being a tough guy, let's say raw. No, it's no. real world tangible results. And I tell the guys, if you're not better three months from now than you are today, get out. I don't want your money. Like yeah. this is about work. I don't care. I'm not trying to get you know rich off this. I'm trying to have men come together. And it's kind of, it fills that void that I lost with the military. You know, it's yeah. my brotherhood now. Yeah, yeah. So that's what it really serves for me. The ultimate goal, I would love for this to be my, my job. I would love for me to talk to guys like you, talk to other guys that are motivated and pushing the mission. I would love for the, to do that as my nine to five. Cause right now I have a full-time job and I don't have enough time to talk, to keep up with the emails I get and the people messaging. I just, yeah, there's only so many hours. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been, I've been doing my music full-time now for seven years. That's awesome. So yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. But yeah, it was a, it was a big leap of faith to, I used to be a management consultant. So it was a, it was a bit of a jump to go, you know what, I'm going to go do this crazy thing by myself and I'm going to make it work somehow, but I'm, I'm still surviving somehow. So 
And you're only going to get better. Like it's, yeah. it's like, it's compounding, man. Like all of a sudden the podcast starts and people are like, Oh, Zuby. And I'll be like, when you're famous and doing shit, I'm like, I talked to him. I talked to him before the whole world knew his name. hundred percent, bro. hundred percent. Like I'll have to do a U- U.S. tour at some point. It seems like the appetite for that is growing. So I've been there a few times, but not specifically for my music. Yep. Yeah. So we'll have to definitely have to make that happen. I feel like I had a big question. <laughs> I do have, I do have a big question. One thread I've noticed is that anyone who is promoting and pushing self-improvement, particularly for men, seems to come under attack. Whether you're talking about the aforementioned Jordan Peterson or similar people, you're talking about someone like yourself. I've seen people coming, coming at you on Twitter for things that aren't contentious or controversial. It does seem like a lot of people, certainly, who are trying to put out a self-improvement message, I'd say in general, but also particularly who have male-dominated audiences. There seems to be a lot of attack on that, attack from women, a certain type of women, attack from a certain type of man. Do you just think that's the two, the two agendas, the two motives clashing with each other? I think it's a combination of two things. Part of it goes back to modern living. Mm. It's become so comfortable and we've got obesity rates rising and all this that when someone does well or works to do well, they're kind of breaking, you know, the narrative. They're, they're breaking away from the mold that these people live in. So mm-hmm. if you start doing well and I'm a fat ass, you know, I'm looking at you as a mirror and you're holding up a mirror to my mediocrity because mm-hmm. now I'm like, well, you're in shape and doing better with your life. And I've got to look at me like, wow, I'm, I'm making very bad decisions. Well, I don't want to feel that pain or embarrassment. So I'm going to say, nope, it's not me that's wrong. It's you. You're weird. You know, what are you doing? Self, why do you do push-ups? You know, whatever they could say. Yeah. You know, so there's part of it that they're trying to protect their ego. The other part is certainly that, you know, you can't control men. You know, all men are, we're very individual. You know, we, we come together as a team. We work very well, just like this conversation. But yeah. if you drop the two of us on an island, we'd do just fine. We'd go by ourselves and build our things. <laughs> we come together and we could, you know, men are very good at working together to achieve a goal, but they're mm-hmm. also independent. So when people come to, when men come together, it makes them better to swap notes and that's hard to control. So they're trying to delegitimize the movement. If you start working out, people say, oh, you know, you're narcissistic and all you care about is yourself and muscles or if a bunch of dudes come together. So I speak at the 21 convention and all of us come together and I can't tell you how many people are like, oh, you guys are all gay. What are you compensating for? (laughs) And you're like, why, why are you trying to say there's something like we're just dudes coming together to talk about being better dudes. We're called gay. We're called compensating. We're told that, you know, what are we trying to, to make up for? Mr. Machismo, you guys hate women. You, mm-hmm. you don't know what we're talking about, but you say all these negative things because you don't like men coming together without women. They don't like that because they can't control yeah. it. They don't know what we're up to. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating how people view it as a threat. And like we said, the whole binary thing is like, okay. If you're, you're off not, or on, yeah. Yeah, if you're, not, <laughs> if you're not on this side, if you're not a, a male feminist who is wants to sacrifice his own job so a woman can take your role or who doesn't support the idea of 50-50 in everything. Funnily enough, they only ever push the 50-50 equality of outcome thing in nice, comfortable, air-conditioned jobs. It's never in working on a construction site or digging ditches or being a garbage man or anything like that, which is also heavily male-dominated. It's always in very, very, very narrow path of careers, which I find quite amusing. But um, anyway, I want to talk a little bit about the, I don't want to say the, the role of women, because that doesn't, that doesn't sound right. But um, Somebody's going to uh, twist that and say, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, God damn it, I'm trying to say yeah, a nice I'm, thing. <laughs> it's okay. I've, I've kind of 
accepted that people are going to twist my words regardless <laughs> of what I say or do. So in terms of uh, the female role as just women in general in society, as girlfriends, as wives, as mothers, we've talked a lot about what the male role should be and what how masculinity can be embraced and present itself in a positive way in that sense. What about the the role of women? How do you think that differs and what do you think it entails, shall I say? So I think women are 100% complementary to men. Mm-hmm. I think they play a complementary role to men. You know, mm-hmm. I have a daughter and so it's kind of easy because people love to say, oh, what if she's, what do you want her to grow up to be a slave? Like what? How, why, why would you ever think that? <laughs> I'm a father. This yeah. is my daughter. But you know what I do? I want her to grow up to be an, and when I say independent, we're not talking feminist here, mm-hmm. but I want her to grow up and not feel like she has to conform to her friends. Sure. I want her to follow her passions. If she wants to be an artist, she can be an artist. If she wants to go out and be a singer, you know, whatever she wants to do, cultivate that in yourself. But I also want her to grow up with the skill sets to, to raise a family. Yeah. I don't want her to be the mom who says, I got to drop all my kids off at daycare 24 seven because I got to go and do this. I want her to be a mom who, when she has kids, she nurtures them. She teaches them. She, you know, you don't have to homeschool, but damn near homeschools, you know, so they have good values and good morals. Sure. And you know, my son, I expect him to care for his family, to lead his family, but to play less of a nurturing role and more of a a providership slash, you know, that shield and spear aspect. You know, Mm -hmm. he leads his family, he follows his mission. You know, I'm, I'm doing stuff like this. I'm writing, I'm creating. I definitely make sure I have the time to take care of my wife. We have one-on-one time we develop as a couple. So, but she's much more nurturing to the kids than I am. I see them, I play with them, we do things. But she's the one who coddles them, makes sure they're dressed for school, uh, the food and all that. Yeah. So it, we work together. And I hope my son and my daughter grow up. And when they have families, they have that same balance. Women are the balance to men. They're, they're beautiful. Nobody yeah. is anti-women except for no, these psychos. No. But they, yeah. they lump us all together. It's insane. <laughs> That's one of the funniest things. The, the amount I see the word um, misogyny or misogynist thrown around. I'm not sure I've ever met anyone who, a man who hates women. Why would like, they? They're beautiful. Like, that's the thing. It's like you can, you can say some people are sexist or bigoted or a little bit offensive or a little bit creepy or whatever, but there's very few, very, very, very few men hate women. Like that's what, that's what the word means. I mean, you, you hate women, like you despise the, yep. and it's like, no, like that's, extru- <laughs> that's extraordinarily rare. It's extremely rare. It's just like, yeah. And also, you, again, you never see the opposite word. Like if you say the word misinjury or misinterest, people don't even know what the word means. They're just yep. like, oh, what's that? What's and that's that? the thing too. They'll throw a word. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's true or not. They just oh, say no. it. Oh, gosh, dude. Like, right. oh, you're, you're a misogynist. How, what? <laughs> like, you can't just say the thing, but they no. do. And it spreads. And people are like, oh, you did this. I'm like, no. how? How do we hit that point? No. I, I mean, I was called a fascist the other day for suggesting that it would be cool if there was a week where women didn't wear makeup because A, I think that it skews what we consider beautiful and beauty standards and B to just see what everybody actually looks like. And somehow this conversation led to me being called a fascist. And I, How I was, dare you say natural beauty is a thing. I, 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 thought, I was like, man, I thought I don't consider myself a feminist, but I was like, I thought that was quite a feminist tweet. <laughs> I thought I was, you guys would like this. Yeah, I was like, I can't even say nice things and not yeah, get bashed. I was like, I thought you guys are the ones talking about beauty standards being unrealistic. <laughs> I was like, man, yeah. Because I mean, as a guy, you get so used to seeing women in makeup all the time that it does skew your perception of what beauty, just what a normal woman looks like. 
right? And it, it goes back to, instead of being the person you think people will like, you mm. know, these women like, oh, I got to pack on the makeup. Like a lot of women look a lot better with just a little bit, like just maybe like some eyeliner, maybe just like a little bit of blush. Yeah. You know, like their natural beauty fills in the rest. And that's what we want to see. Yeah. They're like, like, dude, just chill out. <laughs> chill out with that. You're fine. Yeah. I often feel that they, to be controversial, this isn't even being controversial, but I, I feel like so much of the thing seems to be like, the men or the men in society are the ones enforcing these things on women or forcing them to do that or do this. And I think a lot of the pressure comes a lot more from other women in my observation. Like most guys aren't actually that, I don't want to say we're not that picky. <laughs> that, doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. But, but like, you know what I mean? Like most, most guys aren't that, you know what I mean? Like the bar for what a woman needs to look like in terms of her physique or her makeup or her clothing or whatever it's not like some you know we don't all we don't mostly have these super crazy unrealistic standards i think it's yep. other women put that on other women and then they're kind of competing and combating with each other whereas guys are just like oh like, no, she's pretty you know <laughs> <what I> mean? <laughs> available <laughs> yeah it's when you look at the, so that is actually the gripe I had with the whole Gillette thing is why didn't they say that? You know, why don't they say, hey, girls, stop picking on other girls for have, not having makeup or having too much makeup or wearing a dress too long instead of too short mm -hmm. as opposed to just slamming men? And I know the answer. It's kind of a rhetorical question. Yeah. But that's what bothered me is, you know, women will like totally like cutting their cutthroat, man. Like, have you ever seen like a group of women? As soon as one leaves, they're like, blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about her. Yeah. You see a group of dudes. One dude leaves. Like, they just forget he's there. Okay, see you later. Moving on. You know? <laughs> The, inter the interactions are different. I mean, that's, that's been well studied. And I think even just anecdotally, if you, look at, if you look at teenagers, you look at young people, you look at the way boys bully each other, for example, and you look at the way girls bully each other. It's very, it manifests very differently. Yep. With boys, you know, it's going to be physical. They'll be pushing them around, you know, maybe calling them the odd name, but it's, it's going to be quite physical. There's going to be a physical threat for the most part. With girls, it's a lot more, it's a lot more manipulative, social ostracization. No, you can't be part of this club, you know, just not speaking to each other, right? Yeah. Like if a guy gets mad with another guy, we don't just not speak to each other. It's like, okay, there might be a, there might be a fight or almost an escalation to one, but it's not like just the silent treatment, right? We're just going to block. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times, <laughs> you know, if you have a scrap, you know, you're right after that, you're like, all right, all right, yeah. we're good again. We're, we're, we have testosterone in us. We want to physically get that out through aggression. Mm. Well, the way for boys to learn what too far is with wrestling and stuff is to let them wrestle. Like, oh, I shouldn't do this because that hurts somebody. I don't want to hurt somebody. Yeah. I just want to play. And that's how you learn. Like when boys settle it, you don't, you don't ever see a kid choking another kid until he dies. <laughs> yeah, one of the boys falls. All right, the fight's over. Yeah, yeah. You know, very rarely, unless there's some serious stuff going down, mm. doesn't continue to permanent damage. No. Usually it's just an ego thing. I knocked yeah. you out. It's over. Yeah. And as, and as men mature and grow older, you learn how to diffuse those situations 90% of the time before, yep. it reaches that, before it reaches that level. And I think that's a, that's a key thing for anyone to know, but certainly for a guy to know, because it's not like everything needs to come down to violence, violence, violence. You know what I mean? That's like a very, very last resort, as it always should be. And you'll often see, you know, the most, when we talk masculinity, the guys who are comfortably masculine mm. they're the guys who don't get in the fights they recognize all right stuff's about to go down come on babe we're gonna leave yeah i don't need to prove it like you got a drunk guy at the bar oh you want something let's go fight you know for, for whatever reason you're like all right, I'm, I'm good man like i have nothing to prove here it's the guy who's drunk and trying to fight that's the guy who's giving it a bad name but mm. he's not the masculine dude 
Because a masculine man is he's comfortable and confident. He's not going to try to prove something to people. Like it's just that's not how it works. But people don't like to see that. They don't like to hear that. Awesome, man. Well, we're we're coming up to around an hour. So, um, where can everybody find you online? Give a shout out to your your Twitter, your websites. Let people know where to find you. So on social media, uh, for both Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Hunter Drew TFA. My blog is thefamilyalpha.com. And where I spend most of my time is with the men inside the fraternity of excellence. That is fraternityofexcellence.com. Awesome, Hunter. It's been really good to talk to you, man. Thanks for having me on. This is awesome. That's awesome, man. And we'll definitely catch up again in the future. I hope. Nice one, man. Peace. Later. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand. Stunting is destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam. Put some respect on my name. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.